Bear Books presents Ending Samsara, written by JW Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part 1, Chapter 14, A Diamond Strategy Gabe had adored the three weeks he'd lived with Patrice. He could not remember the last time he'd stayed at a single location for such a prolonged period of time. The eccentric South African had been so impressed by Gabe's early morning handiwork and the resounding success of the operation that he treated the boy like family ever since. Patrice was conspicuously vague when asked how well the hack had gone. Ah, perfect implementation, he'd said. Let's just say it'll keep us fed for quite a while. This was as illustrative as he would get. The last answer in particular had made Gabe feel so secure and included that he decided not to probe any further. Patrice had, after all, done all of the work and the boy was satisfied that his minor role in the process was so appreciated. The sheer trust the hacker now placed in him pleased him almost as much as being given free food and a comfortable place to sleep. He'd almost fallen over in shock the day after the heist when Patrice handed him his credit card. Memorise this pin, he'd said. I want you to withdraw $400 American. He then presented him with a shopping list, stressing that he should purchase only named brand items. An odd request considering the exorbitant prices of these products. Gabe was finally instructed to bring back $200 in cash and buy whatever he wanted with the change. He'd first considered that it was all a joke, some kind of humorous test of how gullible he was. He stared into the man's eyes waiting for him to laugh or even crack a smile. Patrice remained deadpan. Gabe was in such a state of disbelief on the journey to the supermarket that the thought of robbing his new friend blind and going on the run only occurred to him a couple of times. He quickly dismissed the idea for three distinct reasons. Firstly, he was quite happy with his new living arrangement and had little desire to disrupt it. Secondly, he'd been surprisingly touched by the gesture and indeed the warmth of his new relationship, which he also didn't want to spoil. Finally, and in spite of the previous rationale, there was also an element of fear. He'd learned a lot about Patrice's temperament in these few weeks. It seemed somehow apparent that if Gabe were to cross him, the ghost's overwhelming geniality would suddenly be replaced with equally devastating wrath. After perfectly fulfilling the requirements of the list that day, Gabe had been delighted to find that he had just over $20 left over to spend on what he liked. He exercised this right by buying a kilo's worth of sweets, three magazines and a Rubik's Cube. The first noticeable manifestation of Patrice's retributive fury occurred when Gabe returned to the house. He knocked on the door, trolley full of groceries in front of him, and an enormous smile plastered on his face. He'd expected Patrice to reciprocate with a suitably large grin of his own when he'd opened the door. Instead of this, he was met with a frown. What the hell are you doing? Patrice had barked at him. Gabe was flustered and defensive. I got everything you wanted, he'd said. Patrice had kicked the trolley and yelled for him to take it back. Gabe had never bought so many items at once from the supermarket before. He assumed that when spending so much money you were allowed to take the trolley home with you. He'd paid the dollar for it after all. How else was he expected to carry all these things? 
Patrice had spat and sworn and clenched his fists, saying the last thing they needed was to draw attention to the place. He frantically unloaded the shopping, too fast to be offered help. Once it was empty, Gabe apologised and took the trolley back. Fortunately, when he returned, his friend had calmed down. He was holding the Rubik's Cube in his hand. I used to love these, he'd said with a faint smile. He scrambled the cube indiscriminately and paused, holding it aloft to show how jumbled it was. Then, in a frenzied but methodical flurry of finger movements, he rearranged the puzzle, and Gabe watched him in awe. Within twenty seconds, perhaps less, he'd solved it. The boy had clapped excitedly, Patrice smiled, gave him a wink and tossed him the cube. Gabe struggled to figure it out on his first attempt, which made his housemate's achievement all the more impressive. However, within 20 minutes he'd cracked it. Well done, little man, Patrice had shouted from the kitchen. Relieved to be back in the man's good books, Gabe had made a mental note to stay that way. Following that day, life went pretty smoothly at the hacker's address. It had not taken long for one of his assumptions to be confirmed. Patrice was a certified recluse. In three full weeks, the man did not take a single step out of his front door. The only time he ever ventured outside was to smoke a cigarette in the overgrown back garden, and he only did this at night. Gabe became his errand boy, and the twelve-year-old did not mind this one bit. He'd be sent out at least once a day for an errand of different items. This could involve anything from computer hardware and clothes to alcohol and cigarettes. Patrice phoned the shopkeeper in advance for Gabe to collect the latter, and Gabe had to give the man an extra $20 for his trouble. His favourite trip, though, was the grocery run. He was typically presented with $200 to cover this, and Gabe was always instructed to do what he liked with the remainder. Setting aside his various eccentricities, Gabe found much to admire in his new friend. He was a man of many talents, not least of which was his culinary prowess. Patrice cooked three times a day, except for the odd evening when he'd order them a takeout. The meals ranged widely from simple pasta dishes and something called bunny chow, which Gabe was happy to learn was not rabbit, to grander undertakings such as turducken, a ridiculously elaborate and excessive combination of three birds in one, Gabe hadn't thought it possible to eat so well and felt somewhat guilty for the opportunity. He tried to offset this by never wasting a scrap, hoovering up Patrice's leftovers and always offering to wash up. After a week and a half, his weight gain was apparent. It was a pleasant thing to observe in the bathroom mirror. Before this, he'd been nothing but bone and sinew. He'd even been given cash to buy new clothes discarding the tattered and seldom washed ones he always wore. When Patrice wasn't cooking or busy with some technical endeavour, and Gabe wasn't cleaning or running errands, the pair spent much of their time together playing video games. This was another pursuit in which the South African was exceptional. He thrashed the boy at every single game they engaged in, even new ones in which they were equally unfamiliar. Simply happy to be included, Gabe laughed this off each time. He also intuited that the man was not a good loser, and much like the idea of crossing him, he was reluctant to find out for sure. Despite not being given a straight answer regarding how much Patrice had earned from the cyber attack, 
Gabe assumed it must have been substantial, clearly given how much cash the man gladly parted with each week. He thought it improper to directly ask him how long they could expect to keep up such a lavish lifestyle with no regular income, but from infrequent, indirect and seemingly innocuous questioning, Gabe learned that Patrice had other capital tied up in several overseas investments. It was difficult to think of the man as rich from glancing at his humble two-bed home, but the little shack seemed to provide everything he required. Perhaps he thought living anywhere too swanky would attract undue attention. Their days in the house together went mostly uninterrupted. Although no men ever came to visit, now and again Patrice would receive a female caller. When one of these scantily clad women arrived, she and the hacker would disappear into the bedroom, and Gabe was explicitly ordered not to disturb them. He liked it when the women came to visit, mostly because he enjoyed gawking at them, and they never scolded him for doing so. Two nights ago, one of them approached him on her way out and playfully rubbed his head. She smelled strongly of alcohol, but her bosom ventured so close to his face that he did not mind that one bit. Admittedly, he felt a little conflicted in these encounters. His sister had told him to always act the gentleman and treat the opposite sex with respect. But this did not seem to be the manner in which Patrice behaved towards them. He would often slap them on the behind as they left, making Gabe blush. His friend appeared to be paying them for their time. This was perhaps the reason none of them ever objected. You like the girls, don't you? Patrice once asked him. Gabe had been too shy to answer. Patrice laughed and said, Maybe when you're older, I'll invite one over for you. The idea of this, which Gabe found somewhat terrifying, what would he even do with them, was also thrilling for a separate reason. It was the first hint that this arrangement between them had longevity. Gabe had mentally prepared himself for it to end at any moment, as someone who was used to not knowing if he'd eat or find a safe place to sleep each day, he now woke up every morning with a kind of gleeful incredulity that the situation he'd stumbled into was too good to be true. Other than the occasional bit of shopping and cleaning, the only useful things he'd done for his friend was stealing the laptop three weeks ago. How long could he expect his special treatment to last when he contributed so little? That question, he found out, would be answered that very afternoon. Gabe was lying back on one of the reclining sofas, still completely stuffed and slightly fatigued from a breakfast of crepes engulfed in whipped cream and topped with blueberries. As usual, he devoured his own portion and much of Patrice's. The hacker was now sat at his PC, frantically clicking and typing away. He stopped to turn and make a beckoning gesture. Little man, come here. With minor difficulty, Gabe heaved himself off the sofa to join him. Have a look at this. The South African pointed to his screen. Gabe attempted to make sense of it. To him, it was an inscrutable list of figures and codes. The only salient thing he could discern was the odd street address. What is it? This, my friend, is the highly confidential and supposedly secure weekly itinerary for a courier company specifically one delivering to Tobago. He minimised the window and opened a second one, followed by a third. Here's another, and another. He returned to the first window. This is the one that interests me the most, though. It's a company based in America. 
If they're meant to be confidential and secure, how are you on them? The trees laughed. Little man, remember who you're talking to. If it can be seen by other eyes, it can be seen by mine. Gabe grinned. This level of confidence made his friend appear powerfully enigmatic at times, almost godlike. This one, though, he said, pointing at a line on the screen, will be passing through the port of Spain early this evening, and we will be intercepting it. Gabe did not know what intercepting meant, but he grasped that an item would be arriving near them and they would perhaps be trying to get their hands on it. He was slightly confused by the mention of we, seeing as Patrice would no sooner walk the hundred metres to the convenience store than travel to the port of Spain. What do you need me to do? the boy asked, eager to offer his assistance. I'm glad you asked. First, I need you to head out and pick up some items. Patrice started writing a small list. On it, Gabe noticed was the quite exciting inclusion of walkie-talkies. Go pick all this up, hurry back and I'll tell you the plan. Okay, boss. Equipped with the list and small wad of notes and happy to oblige, Gabe headed to the mall. Along with the walkie-talkies, which he bought first, he was also advised to buy a black headscarf, cheap black sunglasses and a pair of tactile gloves, all in his size. His head was whirling with romantic ideas of spy missions and top-secret operations only observed in action movies. When the boy returned, his housemate seemed in a particularly animated and almost adored state. You get everything? he asked, sniffing and pinching his nose. Gabe nodded. Okay, I have an extra piece of kit for you. Patrice shot up and disappeared into his bedroom. He re-emerged minutes later holding something rather alarming. You used one of these before? He asked, raising a large black and silver handgun. Gabe vigorously shook his head. Relax, said Patrice, noticing the boy's alarm. You probably won't even have to. Well, not on a person. This effort to pacify Gabe was largely unsuccessful, in part due to the use of the word probably, and also because of the casual manner in which he waved around the hefty Glock. The hacker then went on to explain the plan. You see, little man, I'm interested in that particular delivery because I recognise the name of the company. Caprice Carbon are all about extremely high-end, valuable jewellery, primarily diamonds. So as you can imagine, just knowing that this drop-off will be passing through our own backyard puts us in a remarkable position and being able to actually track the vehicle as it goes is a goddamn Christmas present. Patrice grinned widely, exposing the silver tooth at the back of his top row. This is what we're going to do. You're going to head to the corner of Charles Street, the quiet part, and await my instructions over the walkie. When I tell you it's time, I want you to cover up with the things you got today. When the driver comes by, you're going to shoot at the tyres. When he gets out, you'll have the jump on him, so I want you to point the Glock in his face and get him to hand over the shit. You stuff your bag with as much of it as you can, hopefully the lot. You'll then immediately find a place to change and return here via the back streets, taking the safest route possible. The entire time the hacker had been talking, Gabe had noticed the steady acceleration of his own heartbeat. Now that he was silent, it was all he could focus on. Some might say that there is no honour among thieves, but Gabe did not agree. He always maintained that there were certain lines he would never cross. 
He'd stolen many things in his short existence, from food to electronics and almost anything in between. The recurring theme in all of these robberies, however, was that they were undertaken with skill and slyness, not force. He'd never even held a gun before. Patrice was staring at him. Gabe's eyes darted between the man and the gun still firmly in his hand. The presence of the weapon made Gabe reluctant to speak at all, let alone articulate what was on his mind. So, little man, any questions? I can't do it, Gabe blurted out, more impulsive than brave. What? Patrice looked as though he'd not heard him. I'm sorry, boss. I can't be pointing no gun at no one. It just ain't me. Patrice's eyes narrowed. It just ain't you, he spoke slowly, tilting his head to the side. There was an eerie kind of stillness to the South African, like the calm before a storm. I don't want to disappoint you, boss. But I'm just a petty thief. I've never used a gun before, and I don't want to start... Patrice hushed him with a raised finger and took a breath. Would you say I've been good to you, little man? Energetically, Gabe nodded his head. Oh yes, boss. You've been real good to me. Fed you, clothed you, put a roof over your head. Man, I've treated you better than family. Yes, sir, I appreciate all that you've done. And I thought we were a partnership, got each other's backs, like a team, you know? Yes, boss, it's just that... Gabe hesitated. Don't take this the wrong way, but armed robbery, it's such a risky thing. And I thought you said the last job you did... That set you up straight for quite a while. Patrice sighed. I think you'd agree, little man, that we've been living like kings these last few weeks. Once more, Gabe's eyes darted back and forth between the hacker and the gun. Oh, yes, boss, we have. Okay. Well, this way of living doesn't come for free, you know. I have to hustle. And I thought I could count on you to hustle with me. You can count on me, sir. Just maybe not for this. Gabe braced himself for what he was about to say. He rather hoped that his friend might drop the idea of the armed robbery entirely. Out of fear, however, he made another suggestion. Maybe I could stay here and do the tracking and you could go out. You're taking the fucking piss, Patrice screamed, holding the handgun aloft. Gabe realised his mistake immediately. Of all things, why did he say that? but it was too late. The genie had burst right out of the bottle. I'm sorry, boss, I... Crack! Gabe's apology was interrupted by a vicious blow from the butt of Patrice's gun. His head snapped back and his cheek felt like it had been split in two. He ducked down, holding his head. There was an intense throbbing on the side of his face. His left eye became blurry. You ungrateful little fuck. All I've done for you, and this is the way you speak to me. Gabe's cheekbone was burning hot, but also a cold wetness around it. He felt the blood trickling down his neck. I'm sorry, boss. Gabe felt his voice breaking, but he refused to cry. He would not give the man the satisfaction. Look, you're doing this, okay? You owe it to me. Okay, Gabe whimpered, unable to lift his head or avert his eyes from the floor. Okay, boss. Go clean yourself up. Gabe nodded, not lifting his head as he scurried to the bathroom. Only after closing the door did he let the tears flow. He made sure to do it silently. He looked at himself in the mirror. A horrific welt had swelled on his left cheek, split down the centre and bleeding profusely. 
He splashed cold water on his face. It stung like hell, but he kept doing it until most of the blood had washed away. He gently dabbed his face with a towel. When he returned to the living room, he tried to remain passive as Patrice repeated the plan to him. Thankfully, the man seemed to have calmed down significantly. Doing as he was instructed, he packed a backpack with the items he'd bought and a change of clothes. He decided to put the gloves on. When Patrice asked him why, he said it was because he wanted to test how the gun felt while wearing them. The truth was that he didn't want his prints on the weapon. Good idea, Patrice conceded. He briefly explained how to use the pistol before handing it over and telling him to shove it down the front of his shorts and pull his t-shirt over the top. Gabe acquiesced and slid the walkie-talkie into his side pocket. The boy was shaking as he stepped outside, utterly terrified of what he was about to do. If you'd like to learn more about JW Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Books Podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode. Thank you.